If you got your Bibles this morning, I'm going to ask if you will turn to Matthew chapter 13, verses, we're going to read a lot. I usually don't do this, but verses 1 through 23 this morning. Um, and we're, we're going to talk about the necessary risk. You know, Jesus uh, frequently, often talked about parables, talked in parables, taught in parables. Um, and to make sure we all know, uh, we're going to, uh, so we know parable basically just means the easiest, most basic definition is, uh, is clarifying a truth by taking something that, that people are familiar with and, and using that to teach something people are unfamiliar with. That, that's, you know, uh, I think maybe the basic, most uh, easy definition of of that. So if you're there, I'm going to ask if you'll stand. We'll read verses 1 through 23. Uh, and then we'll uh, hopefully try to make a little bit of sense of this thing. Uh, Matthew chapter 13, beginning of verse 1. says, The day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea, large crowds gathered to him, and he got into the boat and sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. He spoke many, many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out, and others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who hears, let him hear. I'll tell you what, we're just going to stop there, and we can read the rest another time. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer, ask Him to get us ready to receive His Word, and then we can uh, try to make some sense of, of that short parable there. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we, we come before You. Lord, we sit in awe of You. We thank You for Your presence in our lives. Lord, thank You for Your patience with us as we stumble through life. Lord, as we continue to, to reach for that same forbidden fruit, Lord, we, we thank You for Your love, grace, and mercy. Lord, today... We pray, Lord, that the, what we offer you this morning is acceptable worship in your eyes. As was prayed earlier, that it is done according to spirit and truth, that we are found true worshipers. Lord, I ask you to soften our hearts and understand your word. Lord, today that we will be the soil that the word takes root and grows. Lord, that when that seed, your word is planted, Lord, that we can come, become more like you through the study and application of your word. Lord, I pray for recall of studies, Lord, that your word may be taught in a powerful way piercing, penetrating way this morning. Lord, I thank you for each one that chose to come out and put you first today, Lord. I do pray that, that you are honored and glorified with all that we say and do. Thank you for everything. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So again, you know, um, we're not going to, I guess, you know, after thinking about it, we don't need to really get into the explanation of it. We're probably going to get into some of that.
uh, most likely next week. But there is four things we're going to try to talk about today. As, as you can see, we're going to talk about the necessary risk. Um, as we get into this, you know, uh, first thing we need to do is make, make personal application of what we're going to do and then uh, take it out into the world. So what I want you to see is what we're going to talk about first, simple, plain, easy, is the sower. In this, in this parable, Jesus talks about the sower, and, and I want you to understand plain and clear, this parable is not about the sower. Uh, even though we can learn about it and, and things, this parable is really not about the sower. A farmer sowing seed is a very familiar sight to the people Jesus was preaching to. Um, the location he was, which you know, uh, uh, would have been very familiar to them, the people could actually envision a farmer sowing seed. What it would have looked like was someone having, a, a, I guess, a satchel on their side and just, just full of seed, and as they would walk, they would just, just spread it out. So as Jesus is talking about this, this is something plain to them, that they can envision the sower walking through and doing that. Uh, but as, as, uh, as we understand, that sower, in this parable, we know because we all have hindsight, we all know this account, is the sower of the Word of God. And as we come here this morning, each and every one of us is supposed to be a sower. We know this from Matthew 28, 19, and 20. We, we commonly call this the, the Great Commission. You know, if you're not familiar with these verses, uh, uh, look at them. We're going to paraphrase them. Jesus comes to them and he says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That, that's in verse 18. And then he tells them, he gives them the Great Commission, that they need to go preach Christ crucified and teach. Remember, we actually summarized this as go preach, baptize, teach. You know, when, when we had taught on that. And so each and every person who, who is a Christian, you have been also not just a Christian. Remember when, when Daniel just did his revival with us, he said that we carry a mighty name in the name Christian. Well, I want to tell you something. As a Christian, you are expected to be a sower. You are expected to sow seed. So the, the problem with this sometimes, some of the struggles we run into is our job is to merely sow the word. It is God's job to bring the increase. And I cannot say this enough. I cannot stress this enough. And I want you to hear me clear. It is not our job to save anybody. It is not our job. We're the sower. You know, so when we think about that, something we're not supposed to do is sow the seed alone. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. This verse says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing. Depending on your translation, you might see growth or you might see increase. Depending on, on the translation you're reading. But I want you to understand, and I fall victim to this a lot. Here's something we like to say all the time. You know, I'll give you an example of something I said. Actually, I specifically remember it was to Miss Jenny. And what we said was, was we was talking about my sister was immersed. We got into talking about it, and I said I was so happy. I got to be the one to immerse her. And what I said was, man, I probably put 12 years in on her. You remember that, Miss Jenny? And you know what? We really need to stop saying things like that. We really do. I'm starting right here because the truth is, I am not the only one that worked on her. And sometimes, this is what I said, I said in the beginning, it's not our job to save anybody. 
And we like to say, I did this and I did that. And the truth is, meanwhile, while you're working, someone else bumped into her and someone else bumped into him and someone else shared something. In the meantime, God was working too. We need to understand we don't work alone. Stop thinking I got to do this and I got to change that. And I, no, our job as a Christian is to be a sower of the seed. That's what we're called to do. We're never going to do it alone. Uh, think about Ecclesiastes chapter 11. In verse 6, because I, I want you to understand something. Teaching the Word of God, sowing the seed, isn't necessarily enough. We, we love to do that. We love to just go to someone, drop off the gospel, and think we did the full, we, we fulfilled the Great Commission. This verse, Ecclesiastes eleven six. 6, Sow your sin in the morning, watch this, and do not be idle in the evening. He says, I love what he says here. For you do not know whether the morning or evening sowing will succeed, or whether both of them alike will be good. He says the gospel, the, the seed of the gospel, right? Is, when we make application, this is, it's not something we show up one time and tell somebody, you need to do this if you're going to be saved, or, or, or this and that, and then we think we're done. It's probably going to take several sowings, several times of dropping off the gospel. And in the meantime, we can't be idle. Not only do they need to hear the word of God, they need to see the word of God. It takes both. But sadly, the people in the church today, I'm not saying you, I'm not saying I, I'm not saying this congregation, but the majority of the church, they go one way or the other. Someone is going to talk to you, and they're going to tell you everything about the Bible, but they live like the devil. And then some people, listen, they're, they're going to live like the most righteous life and know very little about the Bible. We see them both. Well, I'm telling you, we got to put them both together. You know, we, we was talking about some of the problems with teachings in the church, and, and this, is, this is a couple, probably months ago now. And, and we said that, you know, it takes a combination of knowing the Word, teaching the Word, and living the Word. We, we have to put it all together. We can't just pick because faith only says all you have to do is believe and your lifestyle doesn't matter. The, the legalistic person says, well, you got to obey every command. you got to do this and that. And it takes a combination of believing and trusting and loving as well as obedience. That's what Ecclesiastes 11 says. Don't just sow one time and think we did our job. We're going to have to sow continuously, over and over and over, and, and then provide a life that they can see that way. Think about what Isaiah 55 says, verses 10 and 11. Read like this. This is, this is kind of long. As the rain and the snow... Well, we'll go down to... We'll, we'll pick this up. He says, My word which goes forth from my mouth it will not return to me empty. Without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter of which I sent it. You know, so I, I want you to understand this. We're going to have to, we're not sowing alone. We're not doing this work alone. Someone else is working with us. Whether we see them or not, someone else is working. God is working. So we, we can't keep saying, I did this and I did that. And we, we can't just do it one time and walk away. Now, now here comes the, maybe the most difficult part of it all. Not only do we have to continually sow, and not only do we have to live the life that lines up with what we're sowing, sometimes the seed we sow, the product is not going to be what we want. You hear me on that? We're going to sow this seed, and we're, we're going to you know, share the gospel, and sometimes what we get out of it is not what we wanted to see. You know, I think one time I shared this before just quickly. We were in Virginia, and we ran around with those Jewel Miller films. Remember, we showed them here. They were the films that went like this. 
And then there was 10 minutes of conversation. Do you guys remember that? I think we did it on a Wednesday night. You know, the, it was just one still shot and some guy talking in the background that we didn't even see, right? And I think I shared with you, we broke it down into 10 weeks. And we would, we would take a video and then we would do questions and take a video and do questions because there was five videos. And at the end, the, the one family said to me that they, they were amazed at the stuff they learned in these videos and they couldn't believe it. And then they went and joined a denominational church. I, I just, you know, that was, in my mind, I said that was 10 weeks of seed sowing that went right down the drain. The product or, or the, the reaping that came from that was not what I expected it to be. I don't know where they ended up after that because obviously we came up here, but you know, sometimes we're going to work, we're going to sow, we're going to sow over and over, and it's going to end up not the way we planned it all. But we need to remember, Isaiah 55 says, when we send out the word, it does not come back empty. You know, we need to remember that. You know, uh, uh, not only do we have to know that we must uh, sow the word and leave the increase to God, something important we also need to know as the sower is, is the second thing we need to know is every member must be a sower of the word. Acts chapter 8, verse 4. If, if you're following along, take a look at this verse. Turn, turn there with me. Acts chapter 8 and verse 4, because this is what I want you to see. Uh, when we think about this verse, Acts chapter 8 and verse 4 says this. Now, now I want you to understand, well, I'll tell you if we back up a little bit. Uh, Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death, right? We know this is Stephen. And on that day, great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. They were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, uh, except the apostles. Now, now watch this. Skip down to verse 4. Therefore, those who had been scattered, how were they scattered? From a great persecution on Christians, right? Went about preaching the word. I don't care if the church is under extreme persecution. The one thing that should never stop is the sowing of the word of God. That should never stop. We might not always get the product we want. We might not always get the result we were looking for. We, we might not be getting a whole lot of disciples being one. We might be getting ridiculed for what we're doing, but the one thing we can never do is stop sowing the word of God. The reason we're doing this sermon is because I don't know if the church is doing this anymore. We have fallen into a trap that says, as long as I show up, as long as I do my little service, as long as I fight to stay awake, I'm good. Listen, we gather to partake of the Lord's Supper. Every Lord's Day. Acts 20, verse 7, and other verses. We're supposed to be dedicated to it. Acts chapter 2, and we know all these verses. We were saved to be sowers. Our main goal of Christianity is to be sowers. In America, we've really changed this thing into saying, I'm saved to make sure I get to heaven. So my salvation is all about me. My attendance, my this, my that. I've been working on this, and I've been doing that. You know, there's a parable in the Bible about the man with the eye problem. And the first time I ever heard that was Ray Bennett say that. I, the man with the eye problems, he had a sermon on it. The church has a real eye problem today, and we forget that we're just supposed to be sowers. I heard my mentor one time, George Fall, say that if you've never won a Christian, if you've never won a person, to the church. 
you're probably not doing your job as a Christian. How's the sower life going, church? We have decent attendance, I think. Would you like it to be better? Absolutely, we would. Is there any doubt? Is there any, is there any leadership in the church that would say, nah, we don't need any more attendance out of people? There's none. There's none. But I'm asking you as an individual, how's the sowing going? Because Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus says, I'm going to save you. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, and I want you to be a sower from this day on. How's that going? Simple question. Sometimes we get into struggles in life and we forget that we're supposed to be a sower. Hebrews chapter 5, 12 through 14. Listen, I want you to see some of the problems we run into. This verse, try to do this fast. By this time, you ought to be teachers. Right? So he's talking about mature Christians. He's saying, you know, you should have grown past things. And here he talks about, but you need again someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. Right? And he goes on, you, you should, look down here, for everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he's an infant. He's a babe, right, in the knowledge and things like this. Solid food is for the mature, watch this, because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Sometimes we say, I can't share the gospel and I can't do this because I don't know what to say and I don't know where to turn and I don't know what to do and I don't know how. I'm going to tell you something. If you aren't practicing it, you're never going to get better at it. Instead of saying, I really struggle to share, how can I do this? Go to your leaders and say, help me become better at sharing the gospel. I'm going to tell you, I've been in ministry 15 years. Not one time has anybody ever asked me that. Not one time. Can you help me be a better minister? Can you help me share the word better? You see a problem in that? Because I do. I do. You know, Kenny talked about in his meditation about... You know, about, you know, coming and, 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 you know, the basic training. Do we have that? You know, I understand jobs and things, but I'm asking you, how, how's the sowing going? Listen, church, sowing is not easy. Sowing the seed, the Word of God is not easy. But it is required. It is required. And it'll be worth it. The second thing in this parable we're going to talk about is the seed. So we have the sower, that's each and every one of us. The seed, I want to tell you this as well. This parable is not about the seed. It's not about the sower, and it's not about the seed, but we need to discuss it. Uh, the sower sows seed. Christians sow the word. You know, we, we know, we break this down. Seed produces after its own kind. Genesis 1, verse 11. We were going to look at this, but I'll paraphrase it now. Uh, what we actually read here is God says that, that when things come forth, they're going to produce after their own kind. Well, that really knocks the bottom out of evolution, doesn't it? You know, that something's going to produce after its own kind. But anyway, that, that's a whole other battle. You know, and, and you know, I want you to understand this. In Galatians, you're going to see Genesis in a minute, but Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, okay? In Galatians... It's almost the same letters. You know, 6 verse 7 is the verse, when we read that, that's the verse that says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. And what a man sows, Melvin said this in Sunday school, he will reap. And we talk about this. The phrase we use in the church today is, What you win them with, you'll keep them with. 
That's what Galatians 8 or 6, 7 says. What you sow is what you'll reap. When you sow people on programs, when you sow people on music, and you sow people on this, that's exactly what you're going to reap. People who constantly need to be entertained. People who constantly need to be reached in another way. But when you're sowing the Word of God, when you're sowing the truth, that's what it will take to keep them. When people leave because of programs and not strong biblical teaching, they've actually been sown with the wrong seed. And it happens all the time. You know, and I, ho- I hope we see some of this stuff. The seed of the kingdom is the word of God. We know this because of Luke 8, 11, the, the parallel passage. But I want you to see three facts on the word of God. I want you to see this. Three things that we have to know about the word of God. Okay? Um, and inside the, the first one, there's going to be three other things. But the first thing we need to know is the word of God is able to save. I'm going to say it again. You and I save no one. We are just the sower. We deliver the seed. That's what we're supposed to do. Now, when the Word of God's able to save, in order to save, there's a few musts that must happen. Three musts that have to happen for the Word of God to save. And the first one is, we must, the Word of God must be believed. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. That's the verse that says that, that the gospel, the Word of God, the seed, is able to save everybody. Uh, is, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. In order for someone to be saved from the word, from that seed, it begins with belief, which is hard. We, we don't think it's hard because we're in the church today, but have you ever shared with someone about a virgin birth? <laughs> you ever shared with someone about a guy who not only raised the dead, he came back from the dead himself? We have to believe these things. We have to have faith. The word of God can't save somebody who doesn't believe in the virgin birth. It doesn't work that way. It can't save. You know, uh, look, look at the next one in James chapter 1, verse 21. That, that, that seed, I want you to know this. When it comes to belief, hear this now. The hearer has to do that, not the sower. You hear me on that? You understand what I'm saying? When it comes to believe, the, the, Romans 1, 16, I, I know it's gone now. But in order for the word to save, it has to be believed. That has nothing to do with the sower, and it's all on the hearer. You understand? You know, in the next one, in James chapter 1, verse 21, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of the wickedness and, and humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. You see, once we believe it, it has to be implanted in our hearts. And I want to remind you of this one again. This is something the hearer must do. We cannot make someone believe the gospel. We cannot make someone implanted in their heart. If we could... Don't you think we'd have done that in this town already? If we could make someone believe the Word of God and implant it in their heart, would there be denominations today? No. The hearer must do this. Our job is the sower. And the third thing is the Word of God must be held fast in 1 Corinthians 15.2. Look at this verse. Uh, by which also you are saved if you hold fast the Word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. All three things for the Word of God to save, they must, it must be believed, it must be implanted, and it must be held fast. And all three of them are done by the hearer, not the sower. I want you to see this again. When it comes to that plan of salvation, as the sower, we can't make anybody believe. We can't make them implanted in their heart. And we cannot, bless you, we cannot make them hold on to it. All we can do is sow the word of God. That's our job. 
I want to ask you again. If it's able to save, how's the sowing going? How's the seed planting going? Uh, the, the Word of God is able to save, and the sower can't do it. You know, we, we need to stop trying to save people and just try to sow the Word of God. Leave the belief, leave the implanting, and, and leave the holding on to it up to them because that's their job. Know your job in this. Know our job. And, and uh, so the second thing, the Word of God, the fact on it is, is the Word of God is indispensable. Listen, without the Word of God, there is no Christian. Without the Word of God, there is no church. In this verse, in 2 Peter, look at this verse. I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. He says, you've been born again. Not, not with an imperishable seed. He says, but the imperishable. That is through the living and enduring Word of God. Todd cannot make anybody in this room be born again. Melvin, me, doesn't matter. If you're going to be born again, it has to happen through the Word of God. That's why it's indispensable. And the last thing, how the fact about the Word of God is uh, the Word of God produces after its own kind. Remember we said in, in, uh, earlier what it does? Just like the seed springs forth after its own kind, so does the Word. Daniel preached in his revival that uh, the way we said it was uh, you know, the old slogan of the Bible only makes Christians only. You know, he mentioned something I thought was pretty good about, remember when he said about, you know, what we've done in the church today is we get laughed at for trying to be a Christian only, do we not? You know, and, and I don't know if you've ever heard that, because if you've never heard that, you're probably not really sowing the Word of God very well or very often. You know, because I can remember when, when I was in, in a job, on a job and <laughs> people would say, I don't understand what you're trying to be. What, what are you trying to do here? You know, when they would say, well, what type of Christian are you? You know, well, Christian only. We were undenominational. We're non-denominational. I don't understand that. Are you a Baptist? Are you Lutheran? What type of Christian are you? The world don't get it. They don't understand. They don't understand the Bible only makes Christian only. They don't understand the Word of God has the ability to save, but it has to sow after its own kind. The Bible only makes Christians only. There's not different types of Christians. There's one Christian. You know, I hope we understand that. You know, uh, Acts chapter 11 verse 26 Turn there with me. I know we haven't talked about this, and I know when we hear that verse, um, if you're still at Acts chapter 8, just take three streets to the right. Um, and, and I know, we, you know they were first called Christians. We know that. And Daniel taught on this, so I'm not going to hammer on it too much. But I want you to see something. Obviously, Barnabas is going looking for Saul, and he finds him. And, and when Barnabas found Saul, he brought him to Antioch, and for an entire year they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. It was after they heard the Bible, after they practiced the Bible, after they believed and planted it in their heart, after they held fast to it, they took the Word of God and practiced it only. After that happened, what was the result? The end of that verse says, uh, considering they taught many disciples, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. You see, the Bible produces after its own kind. The only time we're ever called just Christians is when we put the Word of God only into practice. That's what Acts 11.26 says. That's the seed. We're all supposed to be sowers. That's our role. The seed is the Word of God. We have to implant it. We don't have, we have to share it. We can't implant it in someone's heart. We can't do any of that. They have to do that. 
Our job is to sow. Ecclesiastes says, sow in the morning, sow in the evening, and, and practice throughout the day as we go on. And, and the third one, obviously, is the soil. This parable is all about the soil. But the, the funny part is we're not going to talk about the soil that much today. We're going to talk about that next week. Because we're, we're talking about the necessary risk of being a sower today. That's what we're talking about. You know, the success of sowing greatly depends upon the quality of the soil. You know, and I know we know that. Soil must be prepared or the seed will fail. You know, I, I work with this guy and I've been picking his brain for weeks on this stuff. He's a farmer, you know, and uh, some, some of the stuff I was asking him, and we were talking about seed and stuff, and, and I asked him about his concern of wasting seed. Times are hard. Things are getting more and more expensive, and that's how we got talking about it. He was talking about the price of straw. Uh, I don't know the difference between straw and hay. I, I have no, maybe he meant hay. I have no clue what the difference is, but he was talking about buying this stuff, and he's talking about buying feed, and he was talking about planting, and I asked him, you know, when you sow, do you ever think about the possibility of losing seed, about, you know, just, just wasting seed. <laughs> he looked at me and he said, nope. He said, because you can't grow it if you don't plant it. You've got to plant it before you know whether the seed, is, the soil is good or not. And I just thought, man, that makes a lot of sense. You can do things to make the soil better, but the truth is you don't know the quality of soil until the seed's been planted. You know, and, and to me, that, that made a lot of sense. You know, um, and he says when you plant something and it doesn't grow, it doesn't mean there was a problem with the seed. It means the soil needs some work. And, and that's what he says, you know. Uh, you know, he, he says that the, the soil isn't always going to produce. Uh, some's going to be more and some's going to require more work. Listen, church, the soil needs to be turned. It needs to be raked. It needs the rocks removed out of it. If you have a garden, you know exactly what I'm saying. The weeds, after it's turned up, the weeds need to be pulled out of there. Uh, uh, they need to be removed. And then what do you do? You let it settle. And after it settles for a day or two, what do you do? Turn it. You, do the, you repeat that process again. And then once you do that, then what do you do? Then you plant the seed. See, in the church, we forget that. We think we should be able to just plant some seed and then poof, we get a Christian only out of it. We never take the time to work on somebody's soil. We never take the time to build relationships. We never take the time to make sure someone's heart's ready for the word. Remember when we talked about being better fishermen? We talked about this. We never do that. We think as we walk in some room, drop a little bit of seed on someone's head and walk out, we did our job. The empty seats in all the churches shows that's not working anymore. That's not working. We've got to start putting in a little toil and work in the soil. You know, such is the case with the human heart. It's the same thing. The heart, listen now, the heart is the battleground where Satan fights against God. It's not at work. It's not at the church. It's not in the homes. It's in our hearts. Because if Satan can keep that seed out of your heart, if he can keep that thing from being implanted, he wins. That's where the battle's going on. And that's where we need to fight. We want God to do all the work. Look at Psalm 51, verse 10. Most of us can probably quote this verse. This verse says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. 
So when we feel like we're, we're drifting and we're doing this and that, and we're wrong, we just say, God created me a new heart. But the, the psalmist was, that's beautiful words there. But the problem is, when you think about that, the Bible speaks of us purifying our own hearts. James chapter 4 and verse 8. This verse says this, Draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. Cleanse your heart, your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. You do it. You put in the work. Clean your own heart. You know, (laughs) I want to tell you, a dirty heart or a hard heart so the soil can't take root isn't just found in the world. It's found in the church too. There's some of us here that are so sick of this sermon already. We've only, what, 30, 35 minutes in? The heart is so hard in the church today, the seed cannot grow. It can't. You know, we'll get into that more next week. But we have to cleanse our own hearts. The Bible speaks about us making new hearts ourselves. Ezekiel 18, verse 31. Now you need to remember Psalms 50. Ezekiel 18 says, Cast away all your transgressions which you have committed. Make yourself a new heart. Remember where Psalms 50 says, Create in me a new heart, God. Well, Ezekiel says, Make yourself a new heart. And a new spirit. Remember Psalms 50, if you, if you just, we just seen that. It said, creating me a new heart and a new spirit. Ezekiel says, do yourself, for why will you die, O house of Israel? You see, Psalms 50 isn't saying, the psalmist isn't saying, just sit down, do nothing, ask God to create a new heart and all my desires change. No, Psalms 50 is saying, God, I see some issues in here. I see some problems in my own heart. I need your help. That's what Psalms 50 is saying. I'm going to start putting in the work to create a new heart. And you help me, God. That's what it means. God's never going to change your desires unless you want them to change. God's never going to change your habits unless you want them to change. God's not going to change attendance and all the stuff we talk about unless you want them to change. God's never going to make you a sower unless you want to be one. And that's the truth. In a meeting a while ago, I had with someone, it was said to me, Sunday morning only Christians are going to stay Sunday morning only Christians. And the truth is, is that's accurate. The only way that's going to change is if you want it to change. You're in control. We just talked about willful sin in Sunday school, and, and do we know these things? You know, we have to prepare a heart that seeks God, and we have to plan to prepare the soil of our hearts. Matthew 7, 6, I, I know that's not in the notes. You know, um, we'll just, never mind, never mind. Listen, the word that is sown in an unprepared heart has no more chance of producing than a seed that is sown in an unprepared soil. I ask you all the time, did you prepare to come here today or did you barely make it? Are we preparing our hearts? Lastly, let's talk about the scope. What does the parable actually mean? Right? We're, we're, next week we'll break down the four soils because there's no way we can do that all in one, one day. What does the parable actually mean? Well, the, the, what it typically means the way we take it is the word of God is always good. That, that seed is always good. The outcome of the seed depends on the heart, the mind, or the, or the soil of the person. You know, and, and that, that would be where it falls. And again, we'll break that down a little more next week. The four different soils in this parable stands for four different hearts. 
Four different types of people. That's kind of what it means. Which means, you know, uh, if we study the Word of God and we make it part of our life and we practice it, if we hold fast to it, we can produce wonderful fruits. Some will produce 30, 60, we know those numbers. But I want to tell you something else. I want to try to expand on that. And this is where the necessary risk comes in. We're all supposed to be the sower. We cannot make someone believe it. We cannot make someone implant it in their hearts. We cannot make someone respond. We cannot do that. All we can do is sow and sow and sow. But if we keep sowing on the same hard soil, <laughs> you know, the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over and over and expect a different result. That's exactly what we do with sharing the gospel. We change nothing. We just wait for that person at work to slip up and bring something up about baptism and then, bam, we're on them. We just wait for them to slip up about drinking and, bam, we're on them. And we wait for them to just mention, we just wait for them to mention something, don't we, Paula? And as soon as they mention it, bam, we're on them. We don't change tactics. We don't change nothing, but we expect a different result. By definition, that's insanity. The necessary risk of doing this is I want you to see, again, see this again for the first time. I, I didn't read it, but after it was over, he, the, the apostles say to him, why do you speak to them in parables? I know I didn't read that, but he says, why do you do that? That's what the apostles come to him and say, the disciples say, well, why do you teach them in, in parables? And what it shows, actually, in my, when I see that, what I see is I see a little bit of discouragement in that question. And I want to show you the necessary risk, because when they see Jesus, those, those men see God in, in the flesh. They see the Son of God. He's the greatest teacher they've ever seen. They've seen miracles. They've seen him raise the dead and turn water into water. They've seen all this stuff. Jesus is amazing to them. And, and, and what do they see from his teachings? They see him getting hit with a whole lot of, of uh, uh, hostility, right? People are getting mad at him. And then, and then people are hearing his teachings and don't understand because he taught it in a parable instead of just laying it on them. He, he doesn't, they don't get it. They see discouragement. You are the son of God. Why are you teaching them like this? Because what we're seeing, the results of your teaching, isn't what we're expecting. We shouldn't be seeing the hostility we're seeing. We shouldn't be seeing people that aren't believing and following you. You are the son of God. Why are you teaching this way? Do you see the discouragement in their question? You are God in the flesh. Why, why, why are you teaching this way? Why are you speaking them in parables? Why are you doing all this work and getting negative or little results? I don't understand, Jesus. That's what they're saying. We don't understand. You're seeing either no results or the opposite of that. You're seeing pushback. So why are you teaching in parables? You know... This parable tells Jesus' disciples that Jesus' answer is, you know, no matter if the seed appears to be wasted or not, it's being implanted. That's the necessary risk. He says it doesn't matter where you sow. What you, remember I said that guy, well, I almost said his name, I don't want to say his name. The guy at work said we never think about wasting seed. We just plant it. And what he says is if the soil doesn't work that time, we don't plant more seed in it. We work on the soil. You see, in Christianity, in the church, 
there's a necessary risk that we're going to sow seed, put in time and put in work, and we're not going to see the results we want. As a matter of fact, we might receive hostility back from it. That's the necessary risk of sowing the Word of God. And I believe the church today has been seeing so much of that, we're afraid to sow. We stopped sowing. We don't change and work on the soil anymore. We're giving up. There's a necessary risk, church. We're going to sow seed sometime that's going to create hostility back. We're going to sow seed that doesn't work. We don't quit. We don't give up. We work on the soil. I want to ask you where you are in your sowing process. Have you given up? Or you're working on the soil? I want to ask you where you are in your receiving the word process. Where is your heart? Do you find it being hard and you need to work on the soil? Where are you at with that? You know, I hope you understand that there's two great lessons in this, in this parable. The first one is don't become discouraged while seed grows. Whether we are having the seed in us or we're sowing it. Do you remember the story of the bamboo trees? Anybody remember that? The bamboo trees where they plant the seed in the ground. I don't know if you heard this. To be honest, I don't even know if this is true. I just heard it somewhere. And you plant the bamboo seed in the ground. And you have, to so, you have to take care of it. You have to toil it and work it. And from what I heard, I, I don't even know if it's true, it takes a good five years of working on that. Do you know how much that bamboo tree grows in five years? None. It doesn't break the soil. But once it breaks ground, that seed that you looked on, worked on for five years that seemed like nothing was happening, it grows, I think, is it, is it 60 feet or 80 feet in six weeks? 60 feet in eight weeks? It grows so fast. Once it breaks ground. What happens to that bamboo tree if people get tired of working the soil and they don't see results? That is the waste. Time's not wasted until we're done. A parable, listen, a parable will find out the true seekers. You hear me? The true seekers, they're going to they're continue to study and continue to work and continue to look. That, that's what the parable does. You know, so we do that. The second major lesson is sowing seed contains a necessary risk. Every time the farmer sows, he knows there's a risk that some seed's not going to grow. But that just shows where he needs to work, not that he wasted time or efforts. We need to treat the gospel the same way. If we sowed seed somewhere and we didn't see the results we wanted, we got the wrong ones, we don't quit. We go to work on the soil. We don't know if the seed's going to work until it's been planted. We need to treat the gospel the same way. Ecclesiastes 11.4 reads like this. He who watches the wind will not sow. He who looks at the clouds will not reap. If we sit around waiting to sow the seed at the perfect moment, that perfect moment will never come. If we sit around waiting for the seed for the perfect time, that time will never come. We just got to sow the seed. If we wait for the perfect moment to sow seed, that, that gospel, so there's no waste, we'll never sow the gospel. We'll never sow the seed. The perfect moment never comes. We have to be willing to work the soil while the seed grows, just like the bamboo tree. Don't be discouraged. Don't be disillusioned. Think that sowing the seed is, is a waste of time. The farmer sows the seed regardless of the ground. And he goes to work on the ground if it doesn't work. We need to do the same thing with the gospel. We need to go to work on hearts. 
You know, people today, they're filled with doubts and cynicism. They're, they're caught in Satan's blinding snare. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 talks about that, that the, the perishing are being blinded to the gospel. So I, I want to ask you three things as we plan to close. Has difficult, has different soils in our lives that the human heart stopped us from sowing the seed? Past experiences, has it got us to the point where someone got mad so we quit sharing with them? Someone didn't respond, so we quit sharing. I want to ask you, ask yourself, has hard soils, difficult soils, caused me to stop sharing the gospel? Another question is, do we put the same faith in the gospel that we sow that a farmer puts in his seed? Every time the farmer plants, he doesn't expect no growth, he expects it. And when it doesn't grow, he goes to work on the soil. Third question, are we prepared to enter the world so the gospel, knowing there's a necessary risk. Church, I want to ask you, how's the sowing going? Do we understand there's a risk to showing, sharing the gospel? That it appears like Jesus has done so much, and yet he's getting so little back? Don't be discouraged or disillusioned. Go to work this week. Sow the seed. And when it doesn't grow, or we get the response we didn't want, go to work on the soil. This morning, if you're outside the church,